0: Welcome to Have You Got Your Shit Together with me, Caitlin O'Ryan, the podcast that celebrates not having your shit together. On today's episode, we have the repeat beat poet, also known as PJ. He's a hip hop poet and broadcaster, fusing traditional poetics and hip hop culture to capture and extend moments of time, thought and feeling. PJ has performed across the UK and internationally at venues including the Southbank Centre, performing alongside writers like Margaret Atwood. He co-founded the hip-hop open mic night Penting, created the spoken word radio show The Repeat Beat Broadcast and hosts the multi-award nominated Lunar Poetry Podcast. His brilliant debut pamphlet, A Testament to Life and Death, contains poems that function as blessings, memorials, prophecies and survivor's guides for soldiering through modern life while being black. In Britain, here's the repeat
1: beat poet. So hey, PJ. Ciao, ciao. I doing?
0: Ciao. I'm okay. How are you?
1: Indeedy. Living, living large, struggling. It's
0: living large and struggling. Not living, laughing, loving. Then it's a different. Uh... Definitely
1: not live, laugh, love. Oh God, no. That... <laughs> I need vitamin water. Okay. I need lemon slices. Wow. Honey. Is this your
0: rider? Yeah. Is this what you? Is this what you say to most people when you're doing spoken word? Like,
1: be like, look right. If it's not. In the dressing room an hour <laughs> before I have to go on stage. I'm not doing the wow. gig.
0: Yeah, fair fucks, fair <laughs> fucks.
1: Um, shameful, shameful. Never me. <laughs> I'm far too used to doing pubs oh and like downstairs rooms in theatres and cafes.
0: But I think you have to hold yourself to a high standard. So even in a pub, if you have a bit of a rider, then you're, <laughs> two, you're raising <laughs> people's standards, babes.
1: <laughs> two drinks in it. You know what I mean? Like, come on, please.
0: Um, hey.
1: Ciao. Hey. Hey.
0: hey um, on a scale of shit, two together. How are you feeling today?
1: I would say shit, maybe 40% shit, 60% together.
0: 40% shit?
1: Yeah, 60% 60 together. So like just, I'm doing like just, just better than like, you know, half, just better than halfway.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Because although I feel like stressed and I'm kind of like, you know, very like cast adrift. Yeah. I can see the direction, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can see the direction so like, I take solace in that and I'm gonna hang on to that, like uh-huh. the tiny piece of driftwood taking me down.
0: <laughs> and you just started a new job today?
1: No, it was no. about like three weeks, ago three, now, weeks three, ago, three and a half weeks ago We're yeah. still
0: acclimatising
1: Indeed, yeah. I am, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a different world, the old nine to five
0: Yes, yes. While I... also
1: keeping everything else on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So on that then, what does having your shit together mean to you? What does that look like for you?
1: I think it's about like, alignment Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like it's a bit hard to quantify because it's something that's like experiential do you know what I mean like you it's something that you feel as a as a like a state you know over like a set period of time or in a certain way or you know everyone flicks back to the times in their lives where they were like oh it was all going for me Mm -hmm. you know like they're like you know you you like click to yourself and you're walking down the street and it's like you're in a film or
0: do you think you realize when you're in that state then
1: yes sometimes but more often than not upon reflection Mm -hmm. you know more often than not it's the story of like oh when I look back at that everything felt a certain way everything felt right you know everything felt great um and then I think that that happens a lot And so I look for that. Like Mm -hmm. I look for like the moments where I think I've actually been like, you know, I've had my shit together. This was sick. This was Mm -hmm. great. Do you remember when I did this? And like I don't do reflection very well. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So I have to I really have to like think Mm -hmm. about it when I do.
0: Yeah. And
1: so when you ask that, I'm like, Yeah, that's that's kinda what's what's going on. So it's it's
0: things feeling like they're clicking. So like how how does that manifest? What what sort of stuff is clicking?
1: Like purpose Mm -hmm. and like like interests and mm. like just to be like concrete in it it's like for once I might have um a bit of like financial uh security that I yeah. haven't that's not been you know uh in my line of work as a poet and mm. broadcaster and general all-purpose garden you really are creative, a multifaceted
0: like- creative person when I was reading up about you before this you've got your finger in many pies
1: yeah like <laughs> It all just became part of the same expression. Mm -hmm. And so it was very easy to, like, move from one thing to another constantly. And I've always been like that since, like, since a kid, you know.
0: Is that, like, an interest in, like, people and, like, the human experience, I guess?
1: Yeah, but also just, like, in, like... Crowds and like, mm-hmm. like mass, like, like yeah. popular. Like, listen, I, I love the idea of like choirs and teams and just community mm-hmm. and like, you know, the idea of like the the summation of human experience, our capacity to do anything and everything, be it like shockingly awful or like absolutely terrific and wonderful. Mm. That's very interesting to me. And then also like just you know wanting to express myself and figure out what I wanted to yeah. say, and that was through like music i was playing music like in church then like mm. indie bands that was like all sort of secondary school then like orchestras at school and stuff and then um but i was play, playing music in church like Were every, you playing
0: instruments yeah what yeah, instruments yeah.
1: so i was playing uh rhythm guitar wow. like bass guitar a couple mm-hmm. times drums more often than not maybe like a couple years uh, keyboards I'm not sure if I said that no. it's like I was doing back bon and singing sometimes as well <laughs> yeah like just a music nerd isn't it yeah. like I was doing music school as well on like a Wednesday afternoon mm. and so on a like free session in that everyone would just be sitting in a whatever canteen mm. <laughs> like, like like Star Wars and the like <laughs> the cantina just throwing around instruments and being like oh teach me how to play a tune on the I don't know oboe. <laughs> like, learn how to get stuff out of a trumpet. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can't play like brass, but I can get like a tune and that's a half. That's amazing. Hour. Yeah,
0: natural talent.
1: Nah, it's in. It's in, it's a family thing. Yeah. Like it's it's family. In it, it's family really? inheritance. Yeah, like my grandfather on my father's side was a preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so like that's
0: orator. That's
1: yeah. yeah, proper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then my. Uh, basically like the the man who raised my mother and many other people mm-hmm. alongside a wonderful woman who we refer to as mother mm-hmm. uh, he was like a great fan of like music and he had a piano in his like house and he would wow. always play it and stuff and yeah there's a crazy story i heard about my family a couple of weeks ago yeah is that when nina simone was living in Ghana for a couple of weeks she was like mm-hmm. on tour when she was around living in Liberia this is like oh I forget the exact time period but it's, it's a period of her career uh she was hosted by my family not once but twice in Elmina no way yeah and like just somebody in the family group chat just dropped the picture <laughs> do you know what I mean it was like oh by That's the way much. this is Nina Simone and you're like great uncle
0: no way wow so it's very much in the bloodstream
1: like more so than I have Nina Simone realized. is in
0: that bloodstream somewhere <laughs> yeah but these
1: these realisations sort of yeah. like constantly happen there's a line that I forget I stole from somebody mm-hmm. uh, that says like there is a point where your uh, inheritances become your discoveries right do you know what I mean like the thing is that you sort of feel like are your like I have a you know, sort of right to this or like I you know this is me you start to discover them for yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to like whatever they are meant to be in the abstract and you know let's say, whatever else it means for the rest of your family, for instance. Yeah. But for you, it might mean this, you know, or how you grow up, things like that.
2: Wow.
1: And so, yeah, like, music definitely feels like an inheritance that is becoming all the time a discovery, more so than poetry. Poetry really? kind of... Poetry and lyrics, I was, I was like, look... I can Into just, the
0: lyric side of it.
1: Yeah, I can just mm. talk in it. So, <laughs> like, I love it, like, but also I have to be careful because yeah. it's about being interested in conversation. Yeah. That's where all my journalistic interest journalistic interest yeah, comes yeah, from yeah. stories, conversations. You yeah. Know, that was the thing you mentioned before, the human experience and yeah. all of that malarkey. Mm-hmm.
0: So how did you get into poetry then?
1: Um, it was open mics at mm-hmm. uni, first year of uni. Yeah. So... The full story is that I was, uh, you know, like always doing, uh, writing lyrics and stuff, um, but I, you know, was always doing them with Little music. Indie
0: boy.
2: <laughs>
1: Honestly, Block Party covers, Franz Ferdinand covers, Arctic that. Monkeys, Fratellis, there's lots of, mm-hmm. I mean, if I drop the name of the band, the, the few people who will listen to this will go and look up like the band that is, exists. And I won't say <laughs> it because it's embarrassing stuff, but we had a couple of great songs. I was in a, like a two-man punk band mm. called William Divine and the 789s wow we made like like big stupid simple three chord rock and roll songs for like you know like really gritty recorded it in a big old converted caravan in like colchester somewhere uh but yeah so <laughs> i would drop them name of the band but yeah i was always doing like lyrics and mm-hmm. writing and stuff and then uh, on my, uh, I took a year in between leaving school and going to uni because I wanted to be a journalist and so mm-hmm. I was just writing reviews and stuff but I was also always just writing little verses, little poems. Um, some really cl- close friends will remember me just kind of wistfully sitting in a park with a notepad writing some poems in that summer <laughs> and then I started to share them and then uni, first open mic night, forget what you heard about spoken word which was in Stoke Newington, a bar called Ryan's absolutely wonderful night hosted mm-hmm. by rick the most who was also an essex boy uh now going by they them they have gone through a transition and it's wonderful love that for them <laughs> when i did them that's how i was introduced to them apologies <laughs> uh and uh, matt cummins as well two phenomenal poets and just the motion of energy when all these poets were coming in this room yeah. meant that every week you were bringing a new thing you were trying mm. to like you know you're competing friendly. You were competing in like a friendly way with yeah. yourself, really, because wow. you know,
0: just raising to the standards, I guess.
1: Exactly, yeah. and also just having fun with it, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. what I mean, like, oh, that line you said was nuts. That yeah. me you like a thing like this, oh no, or the way you did that. And uh-huh. like, many of the people who who I was blessed to be in a poetry community with, they were like really about their. Can, can I swear on this? Yeah, they're really about their shit. You know, I mean. <laughs> they were on their shit they mm-hmm. were serious yeah, they yeah. were also dedicated but they were also like just trying to be good people and mm. trying to be kind and the whole stereotype of an, an open mic being very like earnest and yeah, everyone yeah. no one's properly criticizing anybody else you know what i mean yeah. it's very much like a place to you know we appreciate everybody that gets on mm. stage because not to diminish it at all that is a massive act Yeah, of it's course, a huge yeah, yeah. thing and so seeing people who are respecting that but then also respecting the craft of like trying to you know write the closest thing to their lives or their yeah. feelings or, or 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 a story or just an, an experience mm-hmm. great writers that are now you know everything from writing obviously like TV and theater and like still poetry and like mm-hmm. internationally musicians so many of them and everybody is still doing poetry That's in one so way or amazing. another so I got that bug and then just kept on hitting nights. Yeah. Um, there were many, many other nights. And if I start to list them all, then I probably will be here <laughs> for a long while. Um, I think I do list some of them in the back of my uh-huh. book, actually. But maybe I didn't. Maybe I did. Oh No, yeah. I, I said thank you to everybody who's ever booked me. <laughs> yeah. So that, because I couldn't Rid- be bothered
0: to <laughs> Um okay so before this I asked you to prepare an object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together. Yes. Do you know what that is?
1: Yeah, that is currently mm-hmm. and at different times it is different things, but because it was the thing I always have in my bag it is my diary. Okay. And it's That's a, a beautiful
0: ri- black leather.
1: Yeah, black leather Ooh. moleskin sort of like design but with a uh imagine a sort of uh, a duck or swan looking bird fully curved basically apart from like a tiny like you know gap on the right hand side sexy. i mean well it's it, not it, the
0: duck but the sleekness of the book. sleekness <laughs> of the book
1: <laughs> i appreciate it look it's matte and it's very yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah and it's like it, it's this it's this brand uh called uh bokor mm-hmm. and they make essentially like books but with uh, adinkra symbols as mm. these uh, like wonderfully embossed like you know uh, into the design mm-hmm. and it's just like adinkra are kind of like uh, to put it absolutely super crudely they're sort of like a West African uh, language almost like a hieroglyphic like language it's like pictorial oh, wow. language um, and so every like symbol has like a story so and a meaning. a meaning yeah indeedy and this is like a sort of a bird looking back on itself and the symbol is sankofa Okay. And so that means like go back And get it or like um or like you know, take from the past and go forward or like you know, go back to go forward. It's that kind of sentiment. Uh yeah. And because the the company they completely add little cards explaining the images and what it means and also add pronunciations and stuff.
0: That's amazing. Um a symbol of learning from the past. So I've just been passed a card. Mm. Um this symbol is of a mythical bird with its feet. Planting forward and its head turned backwards to retrieve its precious egg. It represents the importance of learning from one's past in order to make positive progress in one's future. I love that. That is so cool.
1: And they're not even sponsoring me to plug this. <laughs> but genuinely, I have like a whole collection of these, and really? this is like my day to day diary. And words. do you
0: write in it often?
1: yeah every like you well, keep like
0: a daily journal or is it like a is it like a morning pages vibe where it's just emptying out or is it like more to remember the things that you've done
1: it's been a bunch of things at different times yeah. but mostly it's just like you know uh your standard five minute uh five minute journal type mm. things but then I will just if I'm you know on if I'm doing something else I might just write a chunk of text in it uh yeah but it's just my day-to-day diary and um I have a series of these now and I'm building them up and it feels kind of nice, especially because they're nice little leather bound. They're like lovely. Books. Uh, yeah, so that's the thing that makes me feel like i got my shit together because if I can trace my days and see progression and like, mm-hmm. you know, reflect on things yeah. quite literally how I was feeling at the time or what I was doing, mm. the, then it just makes me feel like, I, like I'm in control of my narrative a bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, cause I, I definitely feel a lack feel like of
0: that. that when like, Sometimes when I'm feeling really out of control with my life, I'll realise it's because I've not been stopping to, like, keep track of what I've been doing. And so, like, days can just run by and I kind of can't even remember what's just happened because I've not taken a moment to not reflect necessarily, but just kind of sit with yourself and, like, gather yourself a bit, you know?
1: Mm, there's something mm. about actually having the time yeah. to do that as well and, like, especially in major metropolitan cities oh, london being yeah. like you know a specifically horrific run, example run, 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 run. yeah
0: mm. yeah mad i love that though how long have you kept a journal for
1: um maybe since i was like in ways since i was maybe like 10 11 mm-hmm. but obviously like you know you have a journal then don't write in it for yeah. like 6 7 months you know mm-hmm. but um i suppose for the last like 5 6 years more often than not i've I had a journaling practice or like mm. a free write practice or like just having some habit of writing a yeah. tiny bit every day yeah i mean even when things like napo Rhymo like come round which mm-hmm. is national poetry yeah, writing yeah. month you know i like i'll try i'll get like maybe four or five <laughs> across a month I one think a I've week. Done one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: wow i love that that's very cool So can you tell me about a time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together?
1: A time in my life where I had my shit mm-hmm. together? I had a big old think about this on the train did over you? here. I did. And I also thought about it earlier in the conversation. And I think the time when I felt I had my shit most together, my 25th birthday. Wow. It was, uh, I was in Amsterdam mm-hmm. doing a couple of shows
2: mm-hmm. with
1: Imaginary Millions, who were uh-huh. like a live hip-hop... Funk free poetry jam, mm-hmm. like so many. It's just about expression,
2: yeah,
1: and like bringing who you are. Improvised music. It's technically it's an improvised music jam wow. at, with poetry. Wow. And we were doing that on the first Sunday of the month at the book club uh, in Shoreditch for like you know maybe like three years old, mm-hmm. and we went out to do these shows in Amsterdam, and um, yeah, it just so happened it was my birthday uh, on like the day of the show, mm. and so we did a show the night before, <laughs> and I was on the rooftop. Uh, of like a hotel, like bar, sort of thing, with a venue on the, on the other side, which mm-hmm. is where we were playing. Did the gig, was out looking at the sunset, you know, just enjoying just the kind of you know when sunset literally like streaks through the sky and you can yeah. see the haze of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Enjoying that, um, and then the day after, yeah, did this show on kind of like a a huge uh, a huge like sort of secured barge uh, north side of Amsterdam. Um, And you know, it was maybe we like 150 to 200 people at the start, and then by the end of it, maybe like 300, 400 people, because people were like wow. uh, on the banks on the side, and we were doing like just like improvised jams, but going back to like standards and classics. And, and, and I was with my friends, and like we were, we were. There are moments where we looked at each other and we we're like, "This is really happening. <laughs> but we're we're really doing this." I recorded the whole thing. Wow. Um, on my <laughs> on my phone, <laughs> literally in my pocket. <laughs> Uh, so I you know, during downtimes I would listen back to that. But wow. I feel like I had my shit together because I was doing what I loved mm-hmm. with people who I cared for and respected. Um the am wrong, I wasn't getting entirely remunerated, but hey, look, flights paid, <laughs> yeah, everything paid. And mm-hmm. come on, like, you know, basically I was just like Experience, out. yeah. Yeah, and genuinely, <laughs> you know, the value. This is the yeah, important yeah. thing. Not monetary is not the only way no. to value these things. And you know, Imaginary Millions is one of the most valuable communities and experiences mm. consistently that I've had across my like development, especially in the last like five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. You know, compared to like early on, that was more like the beat poets and things like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, all of this, um, all of this, Imaginary Millions—the moment of it was so, so together, and I was just free to. Wander around Amsterdam with a friend, listen to great music and eat great food. Um, enjoy just the, the the nature and the canals. Mm. And it was maybe like my fourth or third time there, something like that. But I just had a really good time.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I feel like I had my shit together because even when shit was going left, as it did, we missed the train <laughs> out there. We missed the Eurostar out there by like 20 minutes, oh like the gate God. closed. And so, you know, people around us in the queue, me and my friend uh, are just in the queue there, just chilling. And people are freaking out. And, like, you know, this group of, like, five, six lads who are on a... uh, trying to get on a stag do. They get their passports taken. They don't even realise, like, some lady over here is breaking down fully going (laughs) on the tears and they're not buying it. Oh, my God. Like, it was chaos. But we kind of just, like, kept our cool and just chilled there. Mm -hmm. Because we spoke relatively nicely to the person on the counter. We got a first-class upgrade to... Uh, Brussels and then sorry yeah so we had to wait like an hour (laughs) upgrade to Brussels Mm -hmm. and then got in basically about an hour after we would have done anyway because we spent time and it was like look I could have panicked then you know I could have been like (laughs) And not only could I, I often am (laughs) just (laughs) freaking out and being like, oh, my God, this is absolutely screwed. I can't believe it. This is terrible. How have you done this again? And, you know, like that. that The self-hate voice. voice.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. But this time I had a good friend with me Mm -hmm. and bless him. He is just one of these people who will talk to everyone and make friends Mm. all the time constantly. And I was not in that place. But I'm so glad he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and, you know, it, it was on my birthday. And at the same time, Stormzy, who mm-hmm. is about my age, was also having his birthday. And he was playing Glastonbury, right? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> exactly. And, like, I love Stormzy. But the moment that was so important was that afterwards, my mum called me and she was like, have you seen the Stormzy like, set at Glastonbury? Mm-hmm. It's really good. I'm like, my mum is telling me about Stormzy. And I'm like, I absolutely love that because she's got great music to yeah. me, right? <laughs> and she was like, oh, you're really similar. She was saying that. Oh my God. And she knows that That's I've so like... That's so true. Yeah, there's, there's, th- there's Stormzy songs that like, get me, Blinded mm. by Your Grace. The fact that he called his album Gang Signs and Prayer. Mm. Like the, the, the... I did, or I love to see that similar blurring of religion and faith and lots of stuff that we had the piss taken out of us as dark-skinned black African boys in the early 2000s and 90s Uh like especially like church things you know especially exuberant celebrations yeah meanwhile Stormzy's banging it out yeah and I was like look
0: everyone's singing along
1: not only singing along he shouted out like you know in the middle he does like a three four minute shout out where he shouts Mm. out everyone and it's like everyone's coming with me yeah everybody that is amazing so yeah i yeah. felt like i had my shit together things were aligning moment. many things were aligning uh-huh uh it weren't all great but in that what three days four yeah, days
0: yeah
1: Mm.
0: mm. love that
1: chef's kiss <laughs>
0: <laughs> that just yeah because that just sounds like i don't know it's the alignment of like career and friends and family and like cultural as well almost that those things were all just coming into place at the same time for you
1: yeah and finding my place in it you yeah know? yeah like I was spitting rhymes that I'd written and was freestyling amazing and it was I had like a repertoire but also I was growing and mm. I could feel myself like breaking new ground and things
2: yeah
1: Um. and I was I was being supported you know mm. like really and I felt supported yes
0: yeah.
1: um, and Imagine Millions was like church i'm talking a lot about how i am yeah i mean it's very important well, clearly, to me.
0: yeah clearly means a lot to you
1: yeah i love it we have a live album that you can well we have two live albums in fact one of them's on spotify it's called together in the room um and then uh, the other album is called spending our fortune that's on Bandcamp. that was an international women's day special wow uh, exactly all fem band mm. it was f- absolutely sick so
0: it? were you doing you were doing poetry with that
1: yeah poetry yeah. and emceeing oh my god yeah. amazing yeah yeah it wow. was really fun I have so the poem that I have called the faithful mm-hmm. um has taken many like different forms but the form it took on the imagine millions album together in the room is almost a it's like a <laughs> it, it does so many of the things I love about the poem really well on a mm. huge scale so it, the the concept of this gig and this album recording was a full sort of like hour and a bit, fully improvised. There's like you know, uh, I think a seven-piece band, wow. maybe like ten, eleven different vocalists, mm-hmm. be they singers, MCs, uh, poets, and everyone's quite literally like in a circle, in a massive circle, and like you stand up and then you 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 do your thing. Mm. And so yeah, we we did this. And obviously there's poems and pieces that each of the artists might have had. Yeah but when you do them in this context they take on a new Completely. Like, completely
0: It and like transcends the poetry, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, it like it it gives it a different vehicle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And poetry is a fundamental thing in so many other great parts of mm. what we would call, you know, the expressive cultural yeah, arts. Yeah, yeah. Like and i think that's poetry's always been quite like fundamental and mm-hmm. especially like the open mic scene you can see it in just like the weightings of things yeah. poetry books don't sell poetry open mics are hard to keep going like people say you start doing open mics and then you move on to other things but oh, there's really? a reason why it's always there do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like mm-hmm. and it also just a also just a vanishingly small amount especially in europe especially in england mm. specifically a vanishingly small amount of people can actually have access to like you know uh the the, the the respect and the platitudes and all of the grandeur that comes with the like, you know, not point not not five percent of yeah. like people who can make a living out of poetry. Oh, completely and only poetry, lots yeah, of other people yeah, yeah. do lots of other things. Yeah. And that's also not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But it it does mean that poetry tends to get disrespected. Mm-hmm. And I like to put poetry front and centre. That's why I call myself the repeat beat poet.
0: So where did that playing. come from?
1: The story behind that is, uh, so Beat Poets, Mm -hmm. your Jack Hairwax and your Ginsburgs, and On the Road, and I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the idea, you know, the idealism and, do you get me wrong, (laughs) I didn't idolise these people. They are not good people. (laughs) I mean, they're not an example of how to live Mm -mm. life. (laughs) But I was enraptured by it and the way they wrote the kind of, free expression
0: mm-hmm. also like the cohort i guess of that kind of poetry yeah, being gang. at the forefront of a thing yeah
1: yeah and there was like a full gang of them do you know what mm. i mean like a full crew and as i started to learn more about them mm-hmm. i started to learn about different poets who didn't get like the shine at the time yeah. so like ted jones was like an american beat poet and he wrote about jazz fantastically and mm. i found him a couple of years ago and then like diane de prima who was like a proper i use these like air quotes proper radical my point (laughs) is that she wrote phenomenally directly to power like people say you know speak truth to power she was speaking truth about power to power with power Do i mean she was like and is phenomenal Um, and i found these other poets i'm like oh okay so you know just beyond the beat poets that we know there is more so i was like right what do i love hip-hop MC, mm-hmm. rhymes the art of rhyme yeah. love it <laughs> and always had done and so I thought what about hip-hop can I tag to a beat poet and I came to the concept of a DJ getting a breakbeat a four-bar loop you know the amen break something like that that yeah, spawned yeah. entire genres and the foundations of you know music and everything and and just famous breakbeats and I thought okay so a DJ repeats a beat like you know you, you repeat yeah. a loop and then I was like right that has a ring to it repeat beat repeat that's beat. amazing poet I love that yeah I I did come up with a name and then I was like well I just have to do this now
0: <laughs> <laughs> you really have to commit yeah name's <laughs> too good name's yeah. too good to go and miss that is so good okay then in opposition to that a time in your life where you felt like you didn't have your shit together
1: oh wow how honest do I want to be on this <laughs> podcast Uh yeah Lots of times, but okay. So I'll go with um, second year of uni. No, third year of uni. Uh-huh. Exam time, pre dissertation yeah. time. Final year. Yeah, final year. Yep. Um, I was just like not like I was essentially I had like a like a mini stress episode, like mm. a, a, a depressive episode brought mm-hmm. on by stress, stress induced, and it was maybe like four days of feeling entirely like I wasn't really in control of anything that was, like, happening to around me or just not feeling a part of my life. I felt phenomenally distant, very, like... Disassociated uh, almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and in that... But, of course, the thing that was hanging on was just, like, this awful, like, you know, self-hate narrative, Mm -hmm. you know, like, just the questioning and all of that negative stuff that you that you work on in time, but in the moment it's, it's, it's dark, you know, and it's a really hideous like place to be. Uh, and I, you know, just, just felt like I I had no control of anything. I was like, Oh, this is ridiculous. And so, you know, that was maybe like, yeah, maybe like, maybe like four days and, you know, uh, we come out the other side still breathing, but, uh, I, as the song goes got by with a little help from my friends and my family. Yeah. 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 That was a time when I did not have my shit together. One bit.
0: Was that because there was a part of you that was like, you weren't knowing what you were coming out of uni to? Or like the uncertainty of that? Or was it like the, it was the exams and the intense pressure of that?
1: Nah, it was like, it was a massive, massive crisis of self-confidence and like, and like worth. Do you Mm know what I mean? I was like... uh, it it started and it because it kind of built up and like there had been you know I've had um uh, my my issues and struggles and we all constantly do yeah. with mental health mm-hmm. and our mental health mental health and mental illness yeah these are things that happen mm-hmm. <laughs> but what happened is that i at this time, it was a very small thing, but then the cycle wouldn't stop. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the thought process wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, prone to that, especially when I'm, like, super stressed.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, and, yeah, so, you know, it was, like, it was brought on by, like, essay-like stress and then, like, not being able to just control myself, to just sit down and, like, you know, concentration, things like this. But then also, you know, the the feeling of I don't really... Know what I'm going to be doing. I knew what I wanted to do and what I came to need to yeah. do, which is to meet cool people and do art and mm-hmm. then find a career through that, which I did. Yeah, and you know I was working at a cinema as well. Like I was just I had stuff going, but in that moment I wasn't working at the cinema. And um, when I was studying, that's mm. yeah, that came later. But in that moment, I was like, don't know what I'm going to be doing. Pfft, whatever, let me just like vegetate in this bed yeah <laughs> my friend carol uh, my friend kaz kaz teague oh the wonderful kaz teague, a phenomenal <laughs> poet um, that i've been pleasured to know him for a long while they have a poem called uh bad days and in it they have a line where they say some days uh only the bed will have you or something oh like that and it's like worse, to the worst that effect yeah, i yeah, butchered yeah. it but Oh, uh, well, you should use that the in sense. the
0: future.
1: <laughs> I will do, but you know, if I was more prepared, I guess I would uh, have the proper reference.
0: Mm. Oh, wow, yeah, that's so. How do you think? Is that something that you're still prone to, like that kind of self-talk?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, did you did you see the winter that we just had in, <laughs> in, in the UK? It lasted about nine months. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. hell, hellish,
1: <laughs> like, hellish. And in that time, like, even though I was like sort of like travel I was blessed to be traveling in mm, and around and mm-hmm. things you you know another friend of mine said leaving the UK always feels like a holiday no matter where you're going and returning always feels like a funeral
0: oh my god yeah
1: and it's like it's hard
0: it's hard
1: and so yeah like what I'm I say all that to say that this winter was very difficult and I did really struggle with keeping myself like uh feeling like mentally like well and like healthy you know um yeah, I I I think that that's like very normal to Definitely. like to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we each have our burdens to bear. I think
0: it's it. so it's so interesting the way that like your literally the voice, the way that your voice talks to yourself can color like neutral situations. Just like you being really cruel with the wording that you use with yourself that you wouldn't use to like your friends or anything like that can just make a small thing that you might get wrong into like this huge disaster and your self-esteem can be so shook by that,
1: mm. you know? Yeah, especially when, you know, your, 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 your work, your professional life is about putting your creative side out there. Yeah. And obviously people judge that. I don't have to yeah. tell you that. Yeah, like, yeah. I, people have opinions. Yes. And they will always have opinions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if what you feel inside Is already negative, and then it then is reinforced. Or there's different ways you feel it is reinforced. Then that's really like hard, like to deal with. Really
0: difficult. Yeah, yeah. I think as well, like one of the things when you were saying about coming up to the exams period, I remember someone saying to me about like, you know, in the past, we would have these fight or flight experiences, which would manifest as like anxiety as, like, it's like a caveman sort of thing where, you know, if there was a line on the horizon you would be anxious and then you'd run away from it. But now, like, our anxieties are exams or, like, not knowing what your future is going to be and that's, like, this prolonged, sustained thing of being in um, fight or flight.
1: Yeah, Which, yeah. you
0: know, our human psyche isn't really made for that.
1: Yeah, it's like the fight, flight or freeze, yeah. like they're saying now as yeah. well. And, like, I do get, it's like that that limbic, that proper like very limbic system brain of like really uh fundamental feeling of like i am like terrified yeah you know i mean like i'm like, absolutely ter- and, yeah. you know, social situations is another one like we're terrified of what people think and because that's about being cast out yeah and that's like a very like primal Not fear, being accepted yeah you lose the community mm-hmm. and like you know if you go back forty thousand, fifty thousand years that's like basically dying because you just left to the elements yeah, and you're alone, you know?
0: literally. It's such a dichotomy, isn't it? Because, like, I think that's a word. But, because um, I am such... I care so much about what people think of me and yet have also gone into a career where people can freely judge me. And that, the two existing is just a strange choice for someone like me to have made, I think, in that sense.
1: How do you, how do you deal with that?
0: I dealt with it badly at first, I think, um, because uh because of like social media and stuff you were very receptive to what people tag you in and stuff like that and i think at first i definitely fell into a pattern of almost like searching for it because it was like a control thing. I was like, if if someone's saying something about me out there, whatever it is, I want to know.
3: Ooh, um, yeah. Because
0: I want to be in control of it somehow. But I think having learned the hard way and also having experienced how fickle it is, I think I'm now able to separate myself from it a bit more. I think in terms of... That's more in terms of acting. And I think in a way I am more susceptible to people's opinion with acting because I I am playing a character and therefore I feel like I'm being judged on a talent, if that makes sense. Mm. With, like, poetry and writing, I think because it is so from my point of view that I'm quite confident now in it being like, well, it doesn't matter if you don't agree with it. Mm. This is me and this is from my point of view. And I think that's ca- how I've separated the two.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: But I definitely, like... But yeah, like I'll do, I'll do a poetry night, and I'll come off, and I'll just be like, "Oh my god!" Like, did everyone hate it? <laughs> you know, I care so much, but I still do. But I think I've just got better at. Maybe it's the self care aspect of it afterwards, and just, you know. Also, I've like had CBT and stuff like that, and learning the difference between like. A fact of a situation and my opinion of a situation, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I was saying about like the lens that we put on things. Mm. Sometimes I will catch myself and be like, okay, well, is is it a fact that this person has just hated what I've done, or is that my opinion because yeah. they didn't smile? But maybe they were like paying attention. Do you know what
1: I mean? Yeah, this is like the cognitive part of yes. cognitive behavioural therapy. Yeah. It's like learning how to essentially train your cognition and like you know what are you seeing yeah. and like what is that actually yeah, yeah, and yeah. what is feeling. Yeah, and I sort of say the feelings aren't real. Yeah. But it's that you acknowledge a feeling and yeah. then you can continue to act in whatever way that you choose yeah. as opposed to being, like, you know, as opposed to being beholden to that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. What? Yeah. I remember when I was in like quite, quite a bad place and the thing that you were saying about, you know, the way in which we talk about ourselves in that way in self-esteem, like... I, I literally remember I was, like, writing something in a book. I was taking notes on something, and um, in my head I was like, oh, my God, like, your writing is so disgusting. And then I just had this moment where I just, like, clocked myself, and I was like, God, if I am talking to myself about something as small as that that, like, is inconsequential, like, no one cares what my writing looks like. No, you know, that perfectionist element of it, like, if that's the micro, like, what, what am I speaking to myself in the macro? Mm-hmm. In, like, you know, on, on things that matter, like, how cruel am I being about things that actually matter.
1: And we can be so unkind to yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Like, the brain is an awful, awful mm-hmm. thing sometimes, you mm-hmm. know.
0: <laughs> and it lies to us. Like, it's not true. Oh,
1: it's terrifying, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, come on, I need to like, work with me here.
0: Hey, Aunt. Hey. You do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do?
1: Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know.
0: Thanks, Aunt. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Three things that make you feel like shit:
1: um, not being listened to, or okay. like not feeling listened to. Uh-huh. Like, so if I'm if I feel that I'm trying to do my best to like be calm and explain something, like yeah. into like super simple, t- I'm just trying to like communicate effectively, and someone is just like not like completely like not open to it not like paying mm-hmm. any attention. just completely shuts me down makes me feel really annoying sorry mm-hmm. annoyed because i'm just like i'm i'm trying here yeah, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. i'm really i'm trying to do this respectfully as yes, opposed to just being like yeah. telling you that you're a dickhead <laughs> and i'm pissed off like but yeah so that makes me feel mm-hmm. like shit um i think like helplessness and just generally feeling like helpless yeah that's nothing that really makes me feel just like that's a particular type of terrible feeling that I have Mm. I'm just like ah I feel I can't do anything or I feel like there's nothing there's nothing that can be done about this situation it's almost like despair and that manifests in like a whole bunch of different ways so be it like eco and climate anxiety or be it like (laughs) and by the way that's just anxiety the world ending yes i
0: know i know (laughs) and that is like happening so when you when you sit and think about that too much you just want to
1: yeah and then but even on a slightly smaller level slightly smaller slightly smaller level across my maybe personal life Mm -hmm. let's just let's just say like my work yeah like if i don't feel that i'm in control of it and i'm just kind of going from place to place i feel helpless i feel yeah so that is another thing and Mm. then third i would say like loneliness yeah. You know I mean, it's awful, do you know what I mean? Like, for me, personally, in my experience, when I feel my loneliness is when my negative voice happens to be the loudest or is most likely to, like, catch root on something, you know? Yeah. Because I have no other, like, input. I'm a very discursive, like, learner, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: I love to discuss mm-hmm. and, like, figure things out. And enjoy things with other people, whether that's verbally or non-verbally. Yeah, If we're yeah. both just like taking in the same experience, and maybe we talk about it later. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> it's like give me three points about that. No. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, but if it's, me, if it's me, I can do the classic thing because we've all gone through, you know, a, a general mass shock in the world, which mm. is, a, you know, a, gen- a, a huge virus, the coronavirus.
0: Yeah. And that was like mass isolation.
1: Mass isolation. Yeah. And my regular points of contact in community were regular poetry nights. And yeah. like, you know, that's where I saw people.
0: Yeah.
1: And so being super isolated I was also staying in a house that was empty uh, just because the person I was lodging with was out of the country at the time right. and so but I couldn't like change anything I was very like stuck so that's know. the
0: helpless that's what you've got you've got See? all three then. <laughs> do you know what I mean I was helpless
1: <laughs> it was a lonely time do you know I mean? <laughs> you weren't being listened to there's no one to <laughs> <laughs> listen to my own voice far too much I was still do, like you know and genuinely maybe one of the things that kept me going through that time is I was still doing my radio shows yeah. so people were so you listening were
0: connecting yeah
1: and, yeah. yeah I also uh, revived the Lunar Poetry podcast yeah. in that time so people yeah. were listening mm-hmm. like and that this is why I love radio and podcasting so, so much exactly we're in the ear <laughs> exactly we're with you wh- wherever you're doing like. yeah and I start my radio shows with a thing that echoes that mm-hmm. there's a line and I am doing the thing where I'm going to quote myself Absolutely. Disgusting. do it babes terrifying uh, so all my radio shows both uh, Luce Igusi, mm-hmm. which is a like a pan-African radio show basically just black music of all different kinds and varieties Mm -hmm. um and and also the repeat beat broadcast which was a hip-hop and poetry show that i did on threads radio for like the longest time like three and a half years i do lucy goosey every month on the boat pod episodes on mixcloud and i also do live shows but yeah so there's an intro that i say and Mm. in it is a line where i go um you could be chilling in your kitchen or you could be cooking in your kitchen or driving in your car. I will still profess this freedom for I and I... Freedom for I and I sounding a rapturous rallying cry. <laughs> yeah. Rallying cry was a immersive spoken word theatre show that was held at the Battersea Arts Centre by Apples and Snakes.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Who are a great poetry organisation. Uh-huh. And the piece I wrote for that was this speech. Wow. It was like a character. I was playing a radio DJ. But then like with a lot of complications and difficulties and things like <laughs> that. And so I took that intro... So I took that piece of writing, mm. turned it into an intro. And now it's almost a central part of who I am when I DJ. Yeah. Like I've, you know, I emcee and I freestyle and I might be talking about anything, but I'm, I will always have that in there somewhere. Mm. Normally at the start, it's like a grounding exercise yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So <laughs> I love that. So for you, like the way that you dealt with the loneliness is through connection really and like creating something to connect to people and
1: yeah focusing on connections and realizing you know the social social physical isolation did not have to mean emotional distancing from everything and everyone you know um and it, it showed me the things that I or it reminded me of the things that I genuinely love and found community in and with yeah so like I was born in Chelmsford which is a like I mean, it's now a city. It's it's a large town. It's a a large town with a connection of villages around it, uh, maybe like 20 minutes east of Stratford Mm -hmm. in East London. And it's a fantastic place. Honestly, I love it to bits, apart from when it's awful, which is a lot of the (laughs) time. But one of the interesting things about it is that Guglielmo Marconi, who was one of the first people to develop radio and the wireless network, he had his factories and did all of his work in Chelmsford. Mm. So the birthplace of radio is what Chelmsford is known no
0: as. No way. Again, it's in the bloodstream. It's
1: in the it's in dirt, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's in the soil, it's in the water. <laughs> the River Chelmer, the River Cannes, wow. High Street. Yeah, so I love radio. Mm. I've always been a, you know... Radio in the ear person late yeah. night at uni. The first times I was feeling lonely, I'm like, well, I'm just listening to Radio yeah. One, Colin Murray on a late night, or like, I don't know, I was listening to Annie Mack, I listened to like Lauren Laverne, still to this day, I love Lauren Laverne, she's great. Yeah. And just like, but then I started to di- diversify my listening. So I was mm. getting like independent radio stations yeah. and or places around London, like Represent or like, you know, anything, yeah. anything. And I just love that because it was connection and you can be with a community. You can be alone together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? And you can feel like, you know, someone really personally just because you've listened to like a few episodes with them and stuff like that. Like when I was back home during lockdown, that's when I got really obsessed with podcasts. Okay. Yeah. Because it was, it was that it was, I was on my own. Um, and it was my way of just feeling some connection with the world still. Mm. Um and I think that's why I just fell in love with the format so much. And ultimately why I came up with this was just for that reason really of just wanting to connect with people.
1: It's a great vehicle for conversation yeah. and like, you know, connection in a in a certain way. There is a thing about like parasocial relationships and how much we feel we know mm. people who are only putting out a certain part of them. Of course. And you have to balance with that also this, like, necessity for authenticity. Yeah. And that being, like, the thing which is super valuable right now Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, there is cultural capital in, like, authenticness. Yeah. So you have to balance these things out. Yeah. But it's just about being, like, a critical... Consumer of the uh, stuff you take on, yeah. Yes, I love this. Maybe I don't know the entire backstory of this podcast host's <laughs> life, but in this context, yeah, yeah, I feel that I know yeah.
0: them, or you feel safe with them completely in your ear, yeah, um, with your
1: time as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to waste an hour listening no. to something I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: yeah, it's interesting what you were saying about loneliness because for me, like having moved to London, it's one of the loneliest cities, um even though there's so many people here. Mm. Like that, you can feel so isolated, even amongst millions of people.
1: Yeah, I think it's yeah, London. I never. It's a thing that people do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially Londoners do. I'd love to <laughs> sit around and talk about London. But as a as a as a cipher, as a mm-hmm. kind of example of a like capital metropolitan yeah. financial mm-hmm. cultural like you know hub. Yeah. Is such a great example of so many things that yeah. are, f- you know, just the extremes and wonders of life. Mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix living in the same building that Handel lived in, and that's just a museum in London, the wow. Handel and Hendrix Museum. No. And across like two hundred years of difference, mm. two of the most important musicians of their generations wow. and ages. And you know, I don't, I, I could talk about London stories forever, and I do love it, but it is so lonely. Yeah. And so many huge cities are... You just get,
0: get lost within it, don't you? just get lost,
1: you know? And if you haven't got something to hang on to, a community, a regular thing, mm. then, yeah, you do just kind of get, like, London spits people out it it chews them up and spits them out people talk about New York and like Los Angeles Mm. it's like you go to you know and then you just get like chewed up up, Um, I mean Paris is another one especially because like the centre of Paris is so markedly different to like half an hour yeah like outside the Paris the banlieues and everything
0: it is lonely but I think for me, it's like the spoken word scene has been like the grounding thing for me in London, really.
2: Yeah,
3: I love and it.
0: It's community, isn't it? It's it's being held by people and feeling like people care about one another in like a loving and accepting way, really.
1: Yeah, like at its best, a spoken word night, like any cultural evening, or just connection with mm. a, or grouping of people, anything can be a literal modelling of a different way of doing the world Mm. do you know like we can be different to each other we can treat each other differently Yeah, we can try to model like a better world in this night and it's idealistic and it's incredibly Mm. you know uh, whatever it is blue sky thinking new age stuff but functionally, imagination is radical. Like, yeah. And I mean, hope is radical that, right now. Literally
0: what I was about to say in terms of like your second point of things that make you feel like shit is a hopelessness, but going to these nights and just connecting with people who seem to be in the shit with us mm-hmm. is really hopeful.
1: Yeah, and you yeah. can acknowledge each other's h- legitimate humanity yeah. and it doesn't take much to so be like, look, I'm going to listen to this thing for three mm-hmm. minutes and I'm going to respect this person for saying whatever yeah. they said within the realms of da, da 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 as long as they're not hurting anybody and, like, punching down and being a dick or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you can respect that. And then also you can say at the end of this night, we've been through something and we've yeah. witnessed something together. And we Exactly. It's all the spiel that I talk about when I'm hosting Poetry Nights because Mm. I really do believe it. I've seen Poetry Nights change lives, mine specifically Mm. and so many other people who I now am blessed to consider friends. And people are young and make mistakes and are stupid and do bad things. And, you know, within all of that, within all of the fucked up like shit of how we can be to each other. There was like such beauty in the stuff we were writing, in how we felt and in the experience of the time.
2: Mm.
1: And yeah, like that can be, if it's not a poetry night, it might be your drama group Mm -hmm. or it might be the jazz jam you go to, yeah. or maybe it's the football club on Tuesday night, or nights. the flamenco
0: or class that you go to.
1: <laughs> whatever it is that, like, it's self-expression, so like yeah. arts, crafts. Yeah, 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 However, you get your like fix. Some people bear into the culinary arts. I'm like, yeah, dig <laughs> it. If cooking's the way, go to like you know, go to like a cooking <laughs> class. Go to like it, whatever. Yeah,
0: hell yeah. Okay. Well, in opposition to that, then three things that make you feel like the shit.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Headphones. Disco music, sunshine on a like clear day, walking around strutting. That's one in that's right? one, that is yeah, one that's, that's umbrella. A scene.
0: Yeah, that is a scene. You painted it well.
1: Uh, it, I'm like I'm, I'm such a sucker for it where
0: are you walking in the sunshine where, where do you like to walk do you like a park or a canal or
1: I'm I, I'm very like I was born about five minutes away five minutes well not even that <laughs> generally about 50 seconds walk away from the river that runs through the centre of transfer uh-huh. so love a body of water Oh, I
0: love a body of water May, there's something past about the body of water oof
1: like yeah <laughs> when I was uh, when I was in Ghana um, I was on a literary residency recently uh, 2021 Amazing. at the Library of Africa and the African diaspora, phenomenal mm-hmm. place. Um, highly recommended to anybody listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went down to the coast one night, you know, it's like drinking on a beach bar, and it was the first time I'd like been by it's the first time I'd touched the water since landing in Ghana. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is so special. The moon was so bright, it was reflecting off the ocean, and you could see it super bright in the stars. The stars were really bright as well. Um, And it was just one of those like magic moments. So, but (laughs) going back to the actual moment, it would be like just any like strutting, like any disco, any like funk disco. Uh Imagine me with like maybe Bootsy Collins star glasses. Oh yeah, baby, Baba. <laughs> wind me up, uh. so that's one. What um, what's me it feel like? It's this is such a stereotypical one for a performer, but when you when you do a really great show, Fuck yeah, when you smash a set uh-huh. and like you can feel the audience is like with you, like, in your like,
0: pocket. Oh, yeah. it's
1: no better feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like surfers talk about like being in the tube when yeah. they're like surfing. I'm like, it feels like that. You're yeah. right in the pocket, right yeah. in the groove, right in the moment. Um, so yeah, that's that's another one. And I've been blessed to have so many great experiences like that, you yeah. know, not only through doing poetry for however many years it is now. And, and that's at open mics and features and yeah. in loads of different contexts, music, even in conversations and podcasts when you have the moment where you're like, oh, that was an incredible like thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that. And then a third thing that makes me feel like this shit, having the respect of my friends and my, and my, and my like, family, do you know what I mean? Uh, Feeling like the people whose opinions I respect value me and like understand mm. me. There's no better feeling in the world than feeling like known and loved. K Tempest says it. They say to be known and loved, to be known and loved. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's the thing. Um To yeah. be
0: fully like understood by your friends and your family is a really beautiful thing.
1: In your wholeness, you yeah. Know? Like and not having to buff edges or emotionally self mutilate to appear the right way no. or do the right thing. No, but to be as much me as I can be and to be loved for that. Yeah. Like that's, I think, what everyone's kind of striving for, yeah. and to do it on a planet that isn't polluted, exploding, and run by an vanishingly small amount of the population with incredibly large amounts of power mm-hmm. and, you know, weapons. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a within all of that malaise of, you know, what Bell hooks called white supremacist hetero, yeah, white supremacist hetero patriarchy. Mm-hmm. You can throw in um materialism in that as well yeah. within all of that the quote is poetry music art love this is what we write for this is what we live for
2: yeah
1: and you know within that human experience value being known and loved being understood by a piece of work even when you read a poem and you go and you go oh my god that is me yeah <laughs> you wrote a poem that i saw you do Tuesday last mm-hmm. as we're recording this at yeah. uh, verses at the roundhouse uh-huh. as part of the last word festival and it was about playlisting yeah. and like sending playlists is like a love language uh-huh. oh my god literally i'm sitting there being like line for line this is phenomenal this is me i've done this before you know i've even thought these little jokes before b-sides and b-sides and like you know covers <laughs> like, i think
0: that's like my proudest line in there. Um, it, it, was,
1: it was a really great poem honestly oh, it was you. it was a fantastic one to watch thank and not you. only because i was like i relate but also because it was performed wonderfully and it was skillfully written you know
0: I think for me that was one of those moments of the second thing as a performer where you just feel like the energy between. I think because you were in the front row and you were literally like, "Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> I made a fool of myself.
0: I <laughs> but I was like, "This feels like the connection. It's the connecting with the audience, isn't it?" Like, yeah, I was. I was watching um, Kate Blanchett was talking about like you know why she's an actor. And she said, you know, some people say that it's um, because they want to be a character or they want to be this or they want to be this. And she's like, no, I want to, like, connect and I want to make someone feel something. And, Mm. yeah, that just resonated. And I think with your poetry as well, like, I felt the same. Whilst I was watching you, I just felt so connected with you. And it's a very special thing.
1: Hey, I'm proud to be able to do what I do mm. and I'm proud of the work I've done to get to a point where yeah. I can do it well yeah and I'm proud of every time I give an audience a good experience mm-hmm. like I get to hold pride in that I yeah. did that and obviously with a little help from my friends and everybody uh-huh. else and what it takes to make a person a person mm-hmm. but the repeat beat poet is an invention of yeah. me
2: yeah
1: and it's something that you know something that I've managed to cultivate and create an entire part of my life around. Mm. And so when go- things go well, <laughs> I'm like, you know what, I'll take that. Nipsey Hussle says it. He says, um, uh, n- no no excuse for my failures, no apologies for my successes, or worse of that effect. Oh, I love that. Like, I'm going to take all of my successes yeah, and yeah. own all of my failures. Yeah. You know, they're all me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cause, and because it can be so easy to not accept a compliment as well. Because that's like societally Britishness. We're like, no, no, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like to, uh, I like to disavow myself from such ludicrous (laughs) ways of thinking. Me those compliments.
0: Um, Yeah, amazing. Okay, something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative
1: way. Oh, in a positive way, like you know when the beat drops, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, lose your shit. Yeah, like, so I... I what's again, your
0: fave... I was going to ask you this before. What is your fave song to, like... Firstly, to do the disco to, to, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. that first. And then secondly, what's your best drop in a song?
1: Okay, first one. Um, also because it relates to uh, the, the story I told about feeling like I was the shit in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, was sitting in a bar... And a song came on called Be Thankful for What You Got by William Devaughan. Mm-hmm. Just be thankful of what you got. And the hook, you will know it is Diamond in the back, Sunroof, uh-huh. Digging the sea yeah. with a gangster lean. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> So that's probably my favourite song to start to, but then ask me on a different day, I will give you a different fair, answer. Fair. But that song was also a favourite song of my brothers and he really loved that. And then, you know, so that's another reason. Mm-hmm. I think Connection. I, I think I called him when that song was playing. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally in a bar and it's playing this song. And I was like, I can't believe this is here. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's... And then best song, best beat drop. Um, ah, that's so many different types of beat drop. Like if we go in like like filthy liquid drum and bass or Oof. something just like <laughs> maybe like um, oh there's too many but okay I'll, one I really love uh-huh. is uh, War Pigs by uh, <laughs> by Black Sabbath mm-hmm. Generals gathered in their masses <laughs> Just like hard rock, and then the wow, wow, yeah, bam, 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 and all of this stuff. So like, I thought that would be like a nice little. I listen to like a lot of like hard, just like proper yeah rage music, Mm -hmm. and a rage drop is different. Maybe like break stuff by Limp Biscuit.
0: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Come on, man.
0: Exactly, (laughs) it's a classic.
1: It's all about the he said she said bullshit, brother. (laughs) It's just so aggy. It's like, when I need to just get that out.
0: That is two very different sides to you. We've got the disco strut and the uh, grotty drop. Yeah,
1: like, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm from Essex. I was born in Essex for Uh my sins. I was. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm not from there. Like, my family is from West Africa. Mm. I'm from West Africa. Mm. But I was born in Essex. Mm. And Essex has a great history of, like, dance music. Yeah, yeah. And a great history of, like, parties Mm. and, like, under... Motorway raves, yeah. you know, like that was a huge cultural thing. Not only through like the '90s and like house and everything, and that's not that's not always been my music taste, but it's always kind of been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I love that. And then also like you know, funk. Oh, there's nothing cooler than funk. Earth Wind and Fire might be the coolest band ever. Yes. Prince might be one of the coolest people mm-hmm. ever. Betty, oh man, Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. They say I'm different. Betty Davis, hard. <laughs> and like, so there's that. But, you know, uh-huh. yeah, there's, like, different types of, like, drop. I, I just love the, the release of it. It is like, the
0: release. And it's the anticipation, isn't it? You're, like, you know it's coming. And then some Some people go prematurely. Yeah. It's, an, it's an embarrassment for everyone. But when, when you align, you're, like, Argh! at the yeah. same time as the drop. That is a fucking beautiful moment.
1: Yeah. Mm. I super agree. And, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's moments in a crowd at a festival when you're waiting for that yeah. one... Thing that everybody shouts at the same time, and yep. then it's like two hundred and forty thousand people yeah. all screaming yeah. this thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> come
1: on. We're
0: all having a bit of a moment in here yeah. at the moment. Uh, okay, and then something that makes you lose your shit in a negative way.
1: Yeah. Oh, it. Like this is going to be. A, this is going to be a very embarrassing. When I've got no one else to blame. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like when I, when I know it's my fault. Mm. When I know that I've like I've got to I've, t- I've got to hold the L and take yeah. it. And I'm just like not only do I have to be serious and just be like, you, you know, like take responsibility, but um, I also have to be like, okay, and then like, you can't like, yeah. you, you can't throw this on like anybody else. No, no, like, no, you, no. Know, you have to, you have to take it. Maybe it's because it's part of the loneliness again. It's like, oh, you have to sit with that action. Yeah. you know, like you've you've chosen you've done to do something.
0: something. It's like shame as well, isn't it? And shame yeah. is so All of that. fucking powerful.
1: Indeed, so that makes me lose my shit in like a bad way mm-hmm. it triggers the negative self voice, of yeah. the voice of self worth yeah. because it's not I have made a mistake or I have shown a negative behaviour or something that doesn't align with me or how I feel or what I want to be that very quickly goes to and I am a bad person. Well,
0: There's a difference you between know? guilt and shame, like guilt yeah. is productive and it's like oh I shouldn't do that again, I should learn from this whereas shame is like I am a bad person I did this thing and I'm an idiot And yeah,
1: that sort yeah, of thing you know.
0: For sure. A moment you found some shit out about yourself.
1: I think when the book came out. I'll talk about the book. This um, one? Yes, indeed. This, yeah. this, here's one I made earlier. Hello. Very blue that's a
0: little poetry book that you have there.
1: Indeed. Yeah. So this is called A Testament to Life and Death.
0: Which I have at home and it's very, very good.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> um, yeah, and I learned, I learned a lot about myself when this book was released. When was that? uh February 2022. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Relatively recently.
1: Yeah, about a year and a, a year and a half now. Mm. I've just released the second edition, um which is wonderful to be able to say, but when I released it, it was something like a culmination of a lot of different strands of things. Mm. And it was quite literally the stories and the memories and the like stories, memories, like prayers, prophecies, dedications across a large period of my life mm. that were also tracking onto obviously what I was thinking about. What was I praying to? What was I dedicating to? Which narratives were, were I like, was I investigating? Mm. And I was really like proud of that. Mm. And the things that showed me about myself is that when I look back across it, I learn how I well, you know, the whole joke is that you learn how you sound to other people when you see yourself on the page, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Reading, reading your work on the page is so phenomenally different from reading yeah, it in an audience. Yeah,
0: because suddenly you are the person who is consuming it as opposed to. Yeah, and also once it's printed, there ain't no changing it. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. I mean, apart from the typos, I managed yeah. to so get rid of in <laughs> the second edition. <laughs> yeah, it's just like there's so because you don't have the control of performing mm, it direct yes, to an audience. Yeah. So the performance is literally in the edit and in, in how you place the words on the page yeah. and how...
0: It's a very different technique, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it, obviously it's like, you know, uh, it's something that uh, the whole divide between page and stage is an absolute joke because mm-hmm. playwrights exist and poets yeah, exist and yeah. lyricists exist. And so, like, I don't buy that. But what I do buy is the diff like different formats can do different things, Yes, you know? And I think that seeing a collection of my poems written down... I learned stuff about like how I think about and see religion across different poems. Mm. That was a theme that came out incredibly quickly once I started writing all the time. And then I started to write about that. And even things that weren't about religion ended up being about religion. (laughs) So like I had a poem called Beware the Vicar's Daughter, Mm -hmm. which was about Theresa May Mm. because she was a daughter of a vicar, right? And even that is actually just a big old list of things to essentially like be wary of within the system of like power you know there's there's lines about like smiling imperialists who are gung-ho on the down low and like the toffs their scorn and scoffs surely signal disaster like i'm giving warnings yeah yeah but even that was through the guise of like a vicar's daughter wow and i just kind of didn't realize that until i sort of ran it down Mm. poems called desecrated and i'm like oh As in to deconsecrate like a church, to like desecrate something, to desecrate a holy site. And that's a poem about who is seen, who is invisibilized in London Mm. and other major metropolitan cities. Migrant workers, dark-skinned people, be it uh, like, you know, domestic work or be it uh, 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 cleaners is a classic example of Mm. how people just are invisibilized. We don't see them. That's so true. Um, And yeah, and that's a poem called Desecrated but the title is desecrated and you know it also ends in St Paul's that's a very god heavy one to be honest (laughs) it's a very religiony one but I'm also criticizing it all the time I'm writing to it and like from it do you know what I mean
0: yeah yeah
1: I'm not sure we've got time but like you know I have a long storied history in the church and like I left Mm. the church and and by long storied history I mean that it informs everything I do yeah and so yeah, what else did I learned about myself? Um, I learned that I really am doing the thing. You You're know doing what I mean? The like you know, there's I can see my book. Yeah. In different places, it was when somebody sent me a picture of the book in someone's car on like Peckham High Road no or, or, um, or, yeah, or, or, or yeah. Rye Lane, I forget. But yeah, someone just sent me a picture. It was like, wow. someone just reading your book in the car. That's crazy. I like, what? Yeah. Um, I had a person who was a teacher in Malmo in Sweden come mm-hmm. up to me after a gig in Edinburgh at the Fringe no. with Loud Poets. And she was like, I love your book. I saw you read a couple of years ago in London. I'm now teaching this book to wow. my like uh, sixth formers, to my year 12s in Sweden. Yeah. And I'm just like... Thank you.
2: Yeah. I
1: feel so honored by that. And it also shows me that, regardless of how I feel about myself, I am doing this. You like, are. I do have my yeah. shit together. Yeah. To some extent. Hell yeah. You know? Well, anyone up, looking but,
0: at that would assume that you do, you
1: know? I mean, I got to shout out to Spike Zephaniah Spike Zephani- Stevenson for, uh-huh. the, for the artwork because, yeah, it's a picture of me that has been edited and then uh, reproduced in this wonderful, like, mm. glossy style with the garner with a Ghanaian flag in the background. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Boom, boom.
0: I think there is something about, like, having to relinquish control as well, because with the poems that you write, you really are just handing them over to other people for interpretation. Yeah. Because, like, with, with performance poetry, you're very much in control of, like, the intonation of how you say things, or if something's done with, like, a smile or not. Mm. Like, you're really just having to alleviate all of that.
1: Yeah, you've got to relinquish control on some mm. level. And that's also a very humbling thing. Yeah. And I think that's a It's good naked.
0: Thing. It's like a naked exposing your writing and yeah, your brain. Yeah,
1: completely, you know. And because also I was way more, tend to be way more comfortable in a live performance-like setting, personally, how yeah, I feel. Yeah, This was a different step. And mm. I felt comfortable-ish. Yeah. But once it was out there, you go through multiple stages of it being out. First it's written and it's, like, locked and it goes, like, to print. Uh-huh. And then you get a physical copy of it in your hand. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. then it's real. And then it gets published, or you do a launch. Then it's real. But then people actually start reading it and having it in their hands. Then it's real. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, maybe you're, you know, maybe different, a different type of people start mm. reading it in a whole new way. And then it's even more real because wow. it's it's having its own life. Yeah. You yeah. know. And I'm so glad that my book can do that. Like that, it's a part of me. Mm. <laughs> I have a line where I say, uh, basically, I reference the Horcrux. Like I reference uh, Horcruxing something of myself. Yeah. And this book feels a tiny bit like like a baby, yeah. But it's also just my face in it. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like on the side, big old grin in profile. Mm. Yeah, doing my best blue steel. Like, ah.
0: How long did it take you to um, get all of the poems together for it?
1: Maybe like a year. Mm. But I was like, I, I knew that I was going to write a book. I just didn't know what form it was going to take or how it was going to be. I knew I could do something with all the poems I had. Yeah, Yeah, about a year and a bit to put it together. Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. It's
0: very impressive.
1: Yeah, but, it, you know, the poems are written over maybe six years. Yeah. Six years. Yeah. And do you
0: still feel a connection to it now that you're in a different space?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, and that's not only because I gig relentlessly and sell it all the time and I'm, you know, face with my face all of the time mm. in books. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I learn a lot about myself every time that, I, that different people interact with the mm. book and a different time I perform and am kind of selling the book. Or I talk, I I use the book as a framework when I'm performing live because it's easy and it allows people to see a narrative that is in the book. Mm -hmm. And maybe I, you know and change a couple bits but I literally when I'm doing live gigs I can talk about the context and I can throw in random details about oh I don't know uh, the Anglo-Ashanti wars of the late 1800s where there was a long protracted you know like essentially wins and losses between the British and the the, the Ashanti empire and all of this and how it contextualises the poems I'm writing about. There's a poem in there called Tommy Built a Cocktail. It's about the mercenary the rise in mercenaries after the dissolution of the British Imperial Army. Lots of Mm. people went off and did security, private security, or they did, uh, you know, literally like counterinsurgency training. And Mm -hmm. this is, you know, the people who were training, uh, you know, people who were going on mass uh, communist killing raids in places like Indonesia or or Central America, uh, uh, Colombia. This is a a thing that is known, the CIA cooing people. And Uh also the British... Uh, deposing mozadek in around in like the 70s and the the thing about nationalism i write a lot about nationalism Mm, and politics mm -hmm. and imperialism Mm -hmm. and politics and i can give a lot more context or a different type of context live. If
0: you're there with it. Yeah, then in the book.
1: But obviously, it's all there if you yeah. read it. Like, you you know, I, I write in a way where you can read these things in the poems. And a lot of time I write very directly. But a lot mm. of the time I write very airfalutin, you know?
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, shittest piece of advice you've received?
1: Oh, the worst piece of advice. I think it would be something along the lines of like, you know... You only have yourself or like things that feel common sense but are actually quite isolating mm-hmm. so it's things like um when you're at school together being like, "Oh no, you can't talk to each other, you can't help teach each other, mm. and I always thought that was really weird, yeah and I was always like no, but i I learned best through like just like talking out an idea, yeah philosophy, yeah. English, economics so politics, smash them all, yeah, or at least was interested in them. Uh-huh. But, like, when it was difficult and I couldn't understand, my friends were teaching me my GCSE syllabus. Like, you know, thank God they did. And and just that that isolating thing always felt quite weird to me. And then again, when people say, in the end, you only have yourself. And, like, all of that's true. But it just... it it's
0: so isolating, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it? it hits me the wrong way.
1: Yeah, it's individualistic. Yeah. And I'm always like, well, yeah, it's kind of true. But also, I am because we are. Yeah. Like, I only... Or I exist... In reference to other people mm. as well as myself, yeah, 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 like, and and that that's always been a comforting thing for me more so than the knowledge that, like, I know it's only me. Yeah. Trust me, I know it's only me. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that. People can say about me that I haven't already said to myself, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so when someone goes, you know, at the end, it's just you and your God or whatever. I mean, like, yeah, you're not wrong. But in the interim, in life, it's about connections. Definitely. You know, like, we are what we repeatedly do. Like, Mm. that's, that's virtue ethics. That's Aristotle. Like that's like who are you what is the essence of you mm. and it's also like african communities like bantu communities Hausa communities like Fulani, uh, fanti communities west africa historically uh, i was reading a whole book series called like the general history of africa published by like the un is a big old historical tome in like six different chapters mm-hmm. from like you know archaeological prehistory to pre-colon- pre-colonial pre-colonial pre-colonialism and whatever mm-hmm. but in it There's a whole section about how the essence of the person, when the communities were structured in a specific geographic way, tied to the African continent, aka if you're just between two massive rivers, that's roughly going to be your community. Maybe there's a big hill 20 minutes away and the people on the other side of that huge hill are a different community Mm -hmm. because, you know, historically they've grown up separately the people by the coast maybe they you know uh, move along the coast historically maybe the people across the desert are more used to that That's a help maybe they move across there the similarities in how people interact mean that the kind of like essence of who you are would proceed and be your reputation and also your like social like value it was like who you are it was how you were known mm. you know and that wasn't reserved so this is about animism which mm-hmm. is a, the belief that everything is like alive be mm. that the, the 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 humanity of a person, the hum, the human animal, or if it's the animated life of plants and nature, mm. even reformed, you know, things that we would think of as unalive, like a table or whatever. This used to be a tree. Like wow. it's in that world of interconnectedness. I'm more
0: respectful as well in a way.
1: Yeah. It's like it's a it's a It's the closest thing I can get to a truly holistic, like Mm. a truly whole sort of sense of belonging in the world. And so when someone goes, in the end, it's only you, it's very like fatalistic and very individualistic. And those are two things that kind of make me like, maybe not lose my shit, but they make me like (laughs) despair. So, yeah, I think I think I think that's my answer. I think that's what I'm going to go for. Mm
0: -hmm. I like that. Um,
1: These are good questions, by the thank way. Thank
0: you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just thought, how many questions kind of like uh, spread the word shit out? <laughs> that's the theme that I was doing. Um, shit, you wish you'd known sooner.
1: Oh, uh, I wish I'd known that it's okay to try and fail. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like to try mm. and to fail and to learn from your mistakes and to try again. Um, and I still wish I know that yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm still learning that. Yeah. So yeah, that's some shit I'd wish I'd known before um i wish i'd known the sheer depths of like uh how hard the deck is stacked against you if you're a marginalized person mm. and in what in what ways it is and in how those ways intersect as well mm. um because that you know and whatever your protected characteristics are whatever your whatever part of your identity is othered by dominant and mainstream society, whether that's, you know, uh, gender, religion, sexuality, skin colour, mm. age, language, you know, whatever it is, there really are like forces and interests that are working against that. Yeah, And it's crazy to know the extent of what that means and has meant for history. If you only take into account like 450 years of like, European imperialism, white Anglo mm. imperialism and you see the damage that that's done yeah. and then you know that no matter how bad we know it is it's actually worse because yeah. of the gaps in our knowledge. Operation Legacy when the British Empire destroyed its colonial records upon leaving a whole bunch of its former colonial territories, so uh, Kenya and uh, places in the mm. the Caribbean, they just junked a whole bunch of records mm. or brought them back to the UK so nobody would ever know. And to this day, no matter how happy we think it is, probably worse. Yeah. And I cool. would I wish I'd known that shit before because, don't get me wrong, I'm a cynic <laughs> mm. and I have no uh, starry-eyed visions of how great Britain was in the past or how great humanity is in the past. Yeah. Humans are flawed beings and en masse have done some terrible, terrible things yeah. with the excuse of surface level whatever it is however you can other someone if you can do that yeah. then you can have a hierarchy and you can have domination but because of the way it was industrialized in the past 500 years mm-hmm. that is markedly different from other empires in history yeah from rome or from the aztecs or from
0: and so hard you know. to like unpack as well because so it's so entrenched within yeah. the way that our society exists I mean, now
1: which one of these stones in Pick a European city here, Brussels, Paris, yeah. London, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Bristol.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What one of these stones hasn't in some way been paid for by the benefits of the slave trade and colonialism. Yeah. Yeah. And not only is that history, that's the present because mm-hmm. these companies are the same people. Yeah. The, Anglo-Ira- the Anglo-Iranian oil company rebranded themselves as BP. Yeah. like I, I'm getting a lot of this stuff from Kojo Karam, who's a mm-hmm. fantastic uh I mean lawyer and also uh teacher and he's a historian of British imperial companies, do you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and what that kind of how that informs capitalism as we see it today. So this is about like racial capitalism. You can't divorce the two. No. Like and that yeah, I wish I'd known that stuff earlier in terms of really deep in it. And also when you learn about it, you learn that you have to have alternatives. And this is a thing that, like, Thatcher famously said and loads of people say, there is no alternative. And I'm like...
0: There has to be. There has to yeah, be. because it can't.
1: Yeah, because it can't go on like no. this. And um, also, the alternative's how we got here. <laughs> like, this yeah. is the aberration. yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a thing which, in the history of human evolution and, you know, society is not normal and there are books coming out that are reframing the way we think about the story we tell ourselves of history great book called um um the what is it the new dawn of everything by david Graeber Mm. came out a couple of weeks ago like david wengro and david Graeber, like 800 100 page solid 10 hour listen great book i'm about an hour in Mm. um but then just ways of reframing society and what is valuable uh there's a the thing about ecological reframing indigenous reframing having different perspectives a book called braiding sweetgrass by mm. robin robin wall Kimmerer is all about using the scientific knowledge of indigenous communities and putting it in a context that makes sense today and also is functional and explains where we're at mm. a phenomenal book it's also about a billion one other things um yeah, but this is just comes back to this idea of trying to have a holistic view of the world and a real radical alternative. Mm. Like, because I have to believe there has to be an alternative. And yeah. it
0: goes back to that thing of what you were saying about hope as well. And like, it can feel so overwhelming, particularly when you reflect on like the environment, for example, and how much that is still very much playing into what you're saying, which is like, you know, the minorities, are the people suffering, or like the global majority, you know.
1: Yeah, it's just the the further you are from power, the yeah. closer your proximity is to essentially, you know, uh like domination and oppression. yeah, like, yeah. still now. Yeah. Yeah. There's a term called necropolitics, um mm-hmm. which has been popularized by like um this this dude, Achille Membe, and um and Rosie uh Bredotti, two like theorists and great thinkers. But it essentially it's the flip of biopolitics. If biopolitics is a politics of life and who is like, you know, allowed to be in half proximity to the best things in life and like st- extending life and, you know, be that social reality or wealth, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The flip is necropolitics, which is essentially who is who is positioned in a closer proximity to death and elimination than other people in the hierarchy of society. Wow. And so if you think about just take one example in the UK in the past, like 30 years, the prevent strategy, which quite literally victimizes Muslim people, and it makes being a Muslim, and also because it's not just about religion, it's also about skin color, it's mm. also about ethnicity, mm. and these things are different. Your skin mm. color is not necessarily your ethnicity, yeah. you know, uh, it, your religion is not necessarily related to your skin color, yeah, but it packages all these things up, mm-hmm. and it's such a clear and obvious example of victimizing a particular group for a purpose and that's about like it's about like border security and like this idea of who we are as a country and we're not this and we're not that and we need yeah. to other these people to keep whatever this is in big air quotes pure and right and all these myths of 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 purity and oneness and sameness as if we're not an island which means that people have been coming and going for all of its history yeah. <laughs> you know so like yeah uh i suppose i suppose that's i suppose that's that yeah
0: mm. well thank you for sharing all of that okay so before the podcast as well i asked you to think of a shit shot that is a picture that was taken of you that so the outside eye might seem like you had your shit together when really you didn't
1: mm-hmm. so i think there's a I'm going to have to audio describe the picture Um, (laughs) set the scene exactly I'll have to set the scene so um, yeah I recently went up to Newcastle to see an old friend of mine um, Mm -hmm. and he's been a really close friend since secondary school we we played music together in church and and Mm. in bands and stuff we made music together you know great friend Uh, my life was I felt like my life was falling apart at this point. Really? Literally, like, and it was only a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but we took a wonderful picture on one of the many bridges going across the Tyne, and it looks, it looks like a really nice picture. You mm. know? Like, it was freezing, yeah. and, and I was, like, wrapped up, and he was, like, just, like, you know, a jacket and a scarf, and he looked mm-hmm. like it's, like, a normal day. I look like it's Baltic out. There. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the picture looks nice and, like, things are going well. But at, at the time, it was, that like, I was, like, you know, I felt incredibly isolated, mm. uh, was struggling, didn't really know what was going to happen, didn't really have a, a solid plan apart from general ideas. Yeah. And that was a really nice picture. I'm glad I have the memory of it as well. Cause yeah. We had a great time um, and it did help me feel better. But I, you know, was also feeling bad. So. Yeah. We went to go see David Rodigan. Sorry. Love Roddergan. <laughs> yeah. Did, did the beat drop? Oh, there were some crazy times. He would just, like, drop some, like, you know, like, nasty dance hall. Mm-hmm. And he would do this thing where he's just like, are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? And then he would just Were you like, ready? No, we weren't ready. Then he, like, Can anyone points, be ready? No. And, <laughs> and then some big, filthy bass. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. There was a new track by, uh, by, by, by Fred again. Oh, Fred and, again, again, again. Yeah, Fred again, 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 again. I think it was like Skrillex and like Dan, yeah. And he dropped out like two months before it came out. And oh. I remember thinking, this is like hard. Yeah. So it's called like, it's like some one syllable word like red or like mad or like something. <laughs> and it was mad. It was. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, PJ, have you got your shit together?
1: Maybe. <laughs> Increasingly every day, I feel, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, do I have my shit together? I do. Like, no matter how adrift I feel. Mm when I lay out kind of what I've done to get to where I am at the current point in my life, I can look at myself and say that 10-year-old me would be proud. And 10-year-old me would say that, nah, this dude's got his shit together. Like, doing what he loves, being able to earn partially a living from it, Mm. being respected in, you know, (laughs) for it. If I could dare to say that, maybe some people respect me, I don't know. I'm a fool, but some people (laughs) do. And yeah, I just think that, ten-year-old me would be proud and mm. so i say i have my shit together
0: and that's who you're doing it for at the end of the day yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly you know but in my new job hey i'm still learning i've only been <laughs> in it for a, for a couple of it's weeks it's a journey
0: it's a journey <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly but thank you for having me on well, the podcast. thank you so been... much for
0: coming on thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast this podcast is produced by aunt hickman the artwork is produced by Tim Saunders and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together. Now and then, I'm just a little bit low I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you